Merry Christmas, Refuge Church. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, there are so many moving parts today. I love it. It's one of my favorite uh, services that we have all year. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with all the kids that are in this room. I love the opportunity to have church with family. And what a great time that we can share with each other. And we just, listen, we understand that that kids uh, cry, babies cry, that there's commotion, uh, and uh, we just uh, thank God there's not commotion outside like there was last night. Holy smokes, the weather was insane, but we had a great turnout last night. We have a great turnout today, and this is one of our favorite, our favorite services. So um, we ask that you just, listen, we understand that, that the kids are going to uh, do what kids do. That's why we've given you uh, bags for, for them to hopefully entertain them a little bit. Our service is a little shorter than normal, so uh, I hope you enjoy it as a family. Well, thank you for being here. My name is Adam Harold. My beautiful wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of being the lead servants in this community that we call The Refuge. We love doing what we get to do. It is one of our greatest joys to serve alongside of the people of the refuge, to serve you, to serve this community, and to do what we believe God has called us to do. You know, over the last year, we've really experienced some pretty amazing blessings from God. And um, th this last week, we just celebrated one year being in this amazing uh, venue that used to be a bar and restaurant that we've turned into a, a church where we gather every single week to celebrate Jesus. We've seen people that used to come into a building looking for hope in a bottle, finding hope in a book. We've witnessed so many people having their lives influenced and changed forever. And we hope that we just get to share a little bit with you. We want to invite everyone. If I'm being honest today, we want to invite everyone that's here this weekend to join us on this journey, this journey of God's blessing. And it reminded me as I was thinking about the invitation to, to join us on this journey. You know, I, it reminded me of something that my dad taught me growing up. He used to teach me all the time, Adam, God will never let you down. So I promise you, if you want to join us on this journey, God will not let you down on this journey. Now, can I be honest with you? There have been times in my life where I thought, Dad, I thought you said God wouldn't let me down. God, I thought that you wouldn't let me down. There have been moments of my life where I have felt empty, I have felt like God wasn't there. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're like, I'll just give this church thing one more try. I promise you that today's message is one from God's word that teaches us that he desperately wants to be with us. This Christmas, I've gotten wrapped up 
in this name of God that is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And if I had one thing that I wanted to communicate to everyone this Christmas, it would be this big idea. The one big idea that I have for you today is that God sent his son Jesus into this world just to be with you. God sent his son Jesus into this world just to be with you. And there is so much more to that statement. Because in order for God to be with us, Jesus had to live a perfect sinless life and had to go to a cross where he hung and he died and he bled and he was sent to a tomb where he wouldn't stay. But he would come out three days later giving us new life, giving us new identity, giving us a new purpose. And that's why we live that's why we continue to seek God every single day because we want a new life the way God intends it to be. So our journey that we're on is, we believe, the journey that God intends it to be according to God's word. There are two different accounts that, are, that record the story of Jesus being born, of God leaving heaven to, to come to earth to rescue broken man. There are two different accounts. One is found in the book of Luke chapter 2 that Dave just, just read. What a beautiful story. The other one is found in Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2. And um, if it's okay, we're going to look at a, at, a, at a couple different scriptures. Um, there's another uh, I love John's depiction of Jesus coming to this world. We're going to look at John chapter 1 in just a moment. But before we read God's word, I always love to ask God to speak to my heart because it's from his word. So if I could do that, if I could pray real quick, let me pray and ask God to speak to us today. Father in heaven, I love you so much. Father, I pray that the words that are spoken today would please you. Father, I pray that, that your words would be louder than Adam's words, that your words would speak to our hearts because it's only your word that has the ability to get to our soul. Father, the, the Bible teaches us in Hebrews that the word of God is alive. So, Father, I pray that today that the word would be alive, that people would would hear your word, and they would desire to follow you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says this. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Jump down to verse 14, same chapter. John goes on to explain a little bit more about what or who this word is. He says, so the word became human. What a beautiful thought that the word was God and the word became human. 
and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of what? The glory of the Father's one and only Son. I've often asked myself, God, why did this have to be the plan? Why did this have to be the plan of your rescue of mankind? And facts of the matter is, I got a newsflash for you. I'm not God. I got a new, another newsflash for you. You're not either. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that I can't come up with the plan and you can't come up with the plan, but it must be God's plan. It had to be. And his plan always included a blood sacrifice for our sins to eliminate them, to cleanse us of them. But the blood sacrifice in the Old Testament wasn't like the blood sacrifice in the New Testament because the blood sacrifice in the New Testament had flesh, had a name, had a face, and his name is Jesus. And he came into, a, into this world through a manger as a baby. There's no other story in all of history that's more beautiful than a perfect God leaving heaven where he was no doubt comfortable to come to a broken, rotten world filled with broken, rotten man to enter into it, to rescue them in their brokenness, to make them whole, to make them the way that he wanted them to be all along. In Matthew chapter number one, verse 23, Matthew is writing, and he's, he's quoting an Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah. What's amazing to me is, is that Isaiah had written this 700 years prior. 700 years prior to this taking place. Matthew is writing in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, and he's quoting Isaiah saying, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. What Matthew is writing is he's saying, what's, what's taking place right now? This is exactly what Isaiah wrote you about 700 years. That's a long time. 700 years ago, this very thing that Isaiah said would happen, guess what? It's happening right now, right before our eyes. Can you imagine what that must have felt like to be alive at the time that Jesus came to came to live on this earth? Can you imagine how Joseph must have felt? To put ourselves in the lives of the people that Jesus interrupted. What a beautiful interruption. And I want you to know today that Jesus can interrupt your life in the most beautiful way if you only allow it. But we must allow the interruption. Maybe that's one reason why I love all the kids being in the room tonight. Because it's a great, a great illustration 
that we must allow interruptions in our lives. One of my favorite movies, my favorite Christmas movies, and it's not because I'm a pastor. It's because it's a beautiful story. It's the nativity story. If you've seen, hopefully you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, then I want to tell you about my favorite scene in the movie. There's a scene of, of Mary, and I, and I love how Mary is, is, is at her home and, and how she's with her family. And, and her family, is, they're, they're, do, they're running around. They're, they're milking a goat, getting goat's milk, and they're putting the cheese together to make money so that they could pay their taxes. And Mary's mom looks at her and says, go and sell this to her and so we can get money to pay, to pay Caesar, to pay our taxes. Well, <coughs> um, the lady that she's referring to, her name's Ruth. And Ruth is the tutor that's, that's there in the home teaching the kids about what it means to follow the Torah, what it means to follow the, the ways of, of, of God, the God of Abraham. And she's telling this beautiful story of a prophet by the name of Elijah. It's in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. You can go and read it later. But Ruth is in the home and she's saying, and this is what she says. She says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and God said, stand on the sacred mountain and behold the Lord passed by. And a great wind ran the mountains and broke in pieces and rocks before the Lord. And Ruth says, I'm sorry, and all the kids respond, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then Ruth goes on and she says, but, and after the wind and, and the kids, are, are, and, and, and then she says, a great earthquake and all the kids that are paying attention, they all look at her and they say, the kids say it with me, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after she says that there was an earthquake, then she says, and after the earthquake came a fire. Kids, are you ready? All the kids said, said with her, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then Ruth goes, and after the fire, and then all the kids together, they know exactly what to say. They all say, a still, small voice. Hebrew kids were always taught to listen for the voice of God in their lives. To always seek the presence of God. They were taught that as kids. So if I had one question tonight, I've, got, I've actually got two of them. The first one is this. How are you listening for the voice of God in your life? Some of you guys are like, you're, you're here and, and, and you're like, you know, I, I see this guy around town all the time. I see this, this refuge logo everywhere. Like, I'll be driving down the road, and all of a sudden, there's a car in front of me, and there's a refuge logo, a sticker. Like, I can't get away from it. What in the world is going on? May I suggest to you that God is just trying to be with you? 
He's done everything he can to be with you. The question for you is, what are you doing in return? Are you listening for his voice? Are you paying attention to his presence? And so and at the conclusion of the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. From the last word of Malachi to the, the, the showing of Jesus, till Jesus is born, there's 400 years between Malachi and Matthew where nothing takes place. 400 years. It's known as the 400 years of silence. I can't imagine what that must have felt like for those Hebrew kids that were taught to listen for the still small voice of God for 400 years not being able to hear it. Maybe it feels like some of you feel today. Like God just doesn't care about you. Maybe it feels like some of you might feel when you just, you just think, you know, I just don't understand. If God is really there, Pastor Adam, then why do I feel the way that I do? Because if God was real, I definitely wouldn't feel like this towards him. Can I tell you something? At the refuge over the last month or so, we've been doing a series called A Non-Religious Christmas, getting away from religious things. Because oftentimes we formulate this opinion of God based on religion and not based on the word, not based on the Bible, not based on who God really is. And so I want to share with you what his word says about you. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter writes and he says, but you are not like that. Like what? You're not forgotten. You haven't rejected the cornerstone. You haven't rejected God. You are not forgotten. You're, when he goes on, he says, for you are a chosen people. I want you to know tonight that God has chosen to be with you. He's chosen to be with you. Peter goes on, you are a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. God has chosen us to pull us out of darkness and place us into a world that desperately needs the light of the world. In a moment, we're going to sing a song, and we're going to hand out candles and we're going to pass them around. We're going to light this room with candles. And I want you to picture being the light of the world the way that this verse tells us to. He called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. He's chosen us. Can I just say there's something special about being chosen? How does it make you feel to be chosen? I wake up next to my wife every day and I go, why did you choose me? <laughs> but one of the things about being chosen is that being chosen is a two-way street. You see, I chose her. And thank God she chose me. Being chosen is a two-way street. 
And Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 22 about what it's like to be chosen, what it means to be chosen. And he uses a very interesting analogy. It's a parable of a king. A, a parable is, a, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And, and he's telling a story about a king that, that throws a wedding feast. And he sends out his servants. The king sends out his servants. And he says, go and invite people to this wedding feast. And, and the, the servants go out and they, they look for these people and they invite them to the feast. But the Bible is clear that many people chose not to come to the party for two different reasons. Number one, because they were too busy chasing worldly things. The other reason was because some of them were hostile towards the king. They didn't like him. Why would I go to a wedding feast thrown by a guy that I don't even like in the first place? And they chose not to go to the wedding feast. Jesus goes on and he tells the story and he gets to this really weird part of the story. He says the king sees a man that no doubt wanted to come into the party. But the king looked at him and he said, you don't have on the right clothes. You don't have on wedding clothes. You can't come into this party. And I listened to the story and I think, Jesus, what's the point? Like, I thought everybody could come into your kingdom. I thought everyone was welcome. But what Jesus is saying is that you must be clothed with the blood of the king that died on the cross, that came back to life. And if you're not clothed with the blood of the king that takes away the sin, then you can't come to this party. And it is my desire it is our desire to invite everyone to the wedding feast that God will throw someday. But it is our obligation to tell you that you have to have on the right clothing. The thing that gets me about the gospel is that it's all inclusive. Everyone can come to it. But it's also exclusive. Meaning that you must be born again you have to receive Jesus so my second question tonight is how does it feel to be chosen it's like the kid on the kickball field Do kids play kickball anymore I don't know I don't know kids that play kickball soccer fill in the, fill in the sport but it's the kid that's chosen to play on the team. Maybe he's picked last. And he sits on the sidelines and he goes, I don't feel like playing. I don't want to play. And he sits and he pouts and he doesn't want to play because he's picked last or because he doesn't like the team that he got picked on or whichever one. And they just, he just chooses to be on the sideline. I want you to know tonight that God has chosen you to be on his team. But you have to choose to play. So 
we have a few more things to do and then we'll be done. But this is the most important because tomorrow morning or maybe today when you go home and you sit and you unwrap and, and, and you unwrap your Christmas, you give Christmas gifts and you exchange presents and you do all the things and you have so much fun. How many of you would be pretty upset if your kids looked at you and they get, you gave them, you had this great gift for them and they looked at you and they go, I don't want to open it. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want it. Or worse yet, they open it, they see it and they throw it to the side. Come on, some of you know that's going to happen tomorrow. They put it on the side. I don't want to play with that. I don't, I don't like that gift. The beauty of God is that he allows us the choice. And when we receive it, it changes our lives. So here's what I want to do. Real quick, we're almost done. I want to ask everyone, just close your eyes right where you sit. It's already a dark room. I love sacred moments. It's in the sacred moments that lives are changed. But we don't get them very often because we're not quiet enough to have them. The question is simple. Have you chosen Jesus? Because we already know that he's chosen you. If you're sitting there right where you sit, would you do me a favor if you want to choose Jesus today? Would you just slip your hand up, hold it in the air? Hold it in the air, keep it there. Parents, you might want to look out, peek, take a peek, make sure your kids' hands are raised or not raised. I don't know. All the kids are welcome to. Jesus said, come to me with faith like a child. And by the way, if your kids' hand are raised, we have an amazing kids' ministry that would love to teach your kids and to raise them to follow Jesus. If you raised your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand. I want to invite you to say this prayer with me and just say it in your heart and believe it and say, God, I know I need you. Because of my sin that separated me, from you thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross to raise again to life to give me the best life ever in following him come into my life I invite you in Jesus name I pray amen if you said that prayer on the card in front of you, underneath the, the seat, there's a, there's a spot on, the, on there that says, I'm committing or I'm recommitting to follow Jesus. If you want to do that, or if you did that, fill that card out, drop it in the black box on your way out. Our team is passing out candles. We've got an amazing song that we're going to sing together. You can continue to sit down. When you get your candles, turn them on. We're going to light this place up. It's going to be a great time.